But also, AJ Holmes was murdering people. Um, this is why I find it hard to make adult friends. Hello and welcome to this week's Grape Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. If you are listening to this week's episode and you may feel affected by issues to do with mental health, um, or particularly uh, episodes of psychosis or other things, please be aware that we are going to talk about this on this episode. So if you do want to stop listening, this is the point to do so. On this week's show, we are going to be talking about true crime and the rise in popularity of true crime as a media sensation. So on things like Netflix, in podcasts, um, in books, bestsellers, all that kind of thing. But before we get into that, Kim has picked out two wines which are in front of us and I think you should tell us what the fuck they're doing here. I would love yeah, that. Yeah, boy. Um, so we have two wines because the first and obvious choice is not vegan. Um, so I also have a vegan option. Um, the first and obvious choice is 19 Crimes Cabernet Sauvignon 2017. So this is one of the wines that is famous for having the... Um, QR code scanning for a while where you could scan the label and it, it each label depicts um, a picture of a criminal who was originally transported to Australia. And so you scan the label and it tells you about the crime of that person. Cool. Um, that is so cool. It's a really cool idea, but we haven't done that. Multimedia wine experience. We probably yes. should, but I don't really understand QR codes because apparently I'm not. I'm also not convinced that this one has, has it anymore. Fine. Um, but anyway... Um, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, it's Australian, obviously. It's uh, I've had it before, but mm-hmm. a long time ago. So I'm intrigued to see what the 2017 vintage is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 19 crimes turned criminals into colonists. Upon conviction, these men, guilty of at least one of the 19 crimes, were sentenced to live in Australia rather than death. This punishment by transportation began in 1788, and many of the lawless died at sea. For the rough-hewn men who made it to shore, a new world awaited. As pioneers in a frontier colony, they forged new country and new lives brick by brick. This wine honours their history, honours the history they wrote and the culture they built. Gives absolutely no tasting notes. Oh. Alex, didn't you direct a play about... Female... It was Female Transport, uh, which was about uh, women on a ship heading for Australia um, who were convicts. Um, and their stories, basically. 19 Crimes, unfortunately, is not vegan, or at least none of the information I could find suggest, um, said that it was. And Barnivore, who was quite re- reliable, said that it wasn't. Um, so, as an alternative for, for the vegans out there, we have the Most Wanted... Oh, I love it. See what you did there? I can feel you looking around and I wasn't even looking at you. <laughs> she was doing eh, fingers as eh, well. Eh, eh, eh. So this is the most most wanted Alberino. Alberino. Now, this is vegan, but this is the 2018 vintage, which is vegan. The 2017 vintage is not vegan. So I just oh, wanted to say that caveat. Because I checked on the website today. So that is from the website. So if it's not vegan, it's not my fault. Um... Most Wanted Albarino. It's a white wine because uh, Most Wanted do a lot of wines, but Alex mostly drinks white. Oh, that's so, so nice. Thank I'm a nice you. person. Um, <laughs> your fast track to a journey through some of the world's most wanted wines, our favourites, new discoveries, all classics. Wine is our passion and you'll find the wines you need to know in our Most Wanted range. We've done the hard work so you don't have to. Pour, sit back, enjoy. Uh, it's a Spanish white wine. Style is crisp, fresh and aromatic. Taste is tropical fruit, peach and grapefruit. Food, seafood, fish and salads. So there we go. Um, those are the two wines that we will be having. Fabulous. Uh, Sam, would you do the honours for us and I'll pour I Alex's? Shall. Ooh, a good glug. A good glug. I think the matte bottle as well, Like I can imagine it in the kind of bottom of a boat, kind of stashed... I can see it sticking up some sand. Yeah. With a letter in it. Okay, well. Yeah. I was going to say, I can see someone like drinking on the street, but that's clearly where my mind goes. Wow, good. Um, cheers. Cheers. This is just as good as I remembered it. <laughs> it's nice. Would anyone like to try my white? Um, I would, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. It's like those little peaches and cream sweets. Mm. Campinos. Yeah. Oh my God, I haven't had that. I didn't know it existed. Oh god, it is. That's weird. 
It's weird. It's nice. No, I, it is. I, it's I, really quite nice. like, I quite like it. It's yeah. almost like a border of a red, but not like. Do you know what it's I mean? Got the in, it, in its creaminess. The love feel of yeah. a red rather than a white. I quite like it actually, it's and nice. I don't usually like something that's described as like floral and grapefruity. Good pick, Kim. Yeah, it's good welcome. picks around. Good. Um, Remember, 2018 vintage okay. is vegan. 2017, okay. not vegan. Okay, not I'll vegan. write a post-it. What's your initial reaction? Enjoying it? It's good. Um, it's one of them Smooth. potent vanilla-y crumbly not, ones. I'm not getting... Mm, hang on, no, wait. Yeah, there is a bit of butter, but it's not immediate It's not butter. full butter. It's not as buttery this as the first one. This is margarine. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's not butter. Incredible. Like. Anchor spreadable. Spreadable. Um, spreadable. <laughs> Incredible. Um, anchor spreadable. <laughs> so, Kim, you are, I think of the three of us on the sofa, you are probably the biggest true crime fanatic, um, followed by Alex, probably followed by me. So, I think, I think it's fair to say, yeah. I think it seems appropriate that you lead our discussion tonight. Okay. So, we've had true crime on the list basically since before we started when we first had our brainstorm about like things that we wanted to talk about and the reason particularly that I wanted to talk about it at the moment is just (sighs) 2019 seems like a banner year for true crime books and a lot of those books are about or by women and it got me thinking about um the surge of true crime in the last like I'd say, I'm going to say like five years, give or take. Um, and how, the, I mean, there's lots of different tributaries to this, but like one of, one of the biggest, one of the biggest like reasons and galvanizers for the true crime trend and bringing it to the mainstream has been the podcast, My Favourite Murder. And Woo-hoo. that is very much, it's a, it's a true crime po- comedy podcast by two women talking about horrible things in a way that is i consider it respectful um but it it is bringing it to the truth to the to the forefront of people's minds and it's making it mainstream it made it popular they've got a huge huge following people refer to them as murderinos and it kind of like i it's one of my favorite podcasts it makes people think that it's like not make think it makes people feel like they finally are able to talk about the things that 10 years ago, they were weird for bringing up at parties. And another one of these is Serial, which I've never listened to, I'm afraid. Um, And Making a Murderer. So my reasoning behind choosing this topic, that was a bit rambly, sorry, is that I really, I find it really interesting that this, um, this thing that previously it was weird for me to, to know about and read about, has become so so popular and everyone's super into it and everyone's really excited about it and everyone's talking about it and the weird like offshoots that that has caused and what that means particularly that it seems to be mostly young women that are interested in it and mostly young women that are driving it as well all women in general not just young women but there do seem to be a huge amount of young women really really interested in it and i just find that i i found that something to consider um and that is why I wanted to talk about it. What are your exposures to true crime? Um, it's not really something that I... It's not a genre that I would actively go and look for, I think. Um, uh, so I'm not the best person to talk about it. I don't... But I think a lot of people find true crime... Even though it's based on truth, I think a lot of people find some kind of escapism and some kind of reassurance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't find that. I find it unnerving and unsettling. So I won't go and find it. Fair but enough. I watched Making a Murderer. I watched the other... Oh God, I can't remember the name of it. The one that was about the nun. Um, oh, The Keepers. The Keepers. I watched that. Oh God, that was awful. Yeah, it was, it was fucking awful. Um, well, it was, it, was really, it was a really good series. It, it was, like, yeah. well made, but yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not something that I will often pick up or listen to, or watch out of choice. Alex, what about you? I am a humongous true crime fan. I think far more in the last, like, two years. The things I seek out on Netflix are true crime. 
the things I seek out on BBC Three are about uh, people and I, I think it documentaries in general like mm-hmm. I found it uh, the love for it through like Louis Theroux um, and then I have literally watched every single true crime documentary on Netflix that there is <laughs> I have watched all like women behind bars confession tapes like all of that I'm massively into it I listen to my favorite murder I and I said to you guys, I had to have a true crime detox the other day because I started having nightmares because it was like I was listening to it on my walk to and from work. I would then go home and watch documentaries on it. I think the thing I find fascinating is the extent in which human nature, like we're all human, we are all, um, you know, made of the same stuff and yet something is different in certain people that they choose to commit these awful things against other people mm. and i i just i don't understand it at all because i would never do that i would i don't understand what it is to hurt another human being or or have the drive to so mm. i find it fascinating and this is something that you and i didn't know about each other until really quite recently mm. um for whatever reason which i think speaks to what i find so fascinating about the rise of true crime is how like we've been friends for five years we only recently in the last i want to say year have have sat down and gushed about true crime which sounds so weird but there you go um because it's not something that you can or it wasn't previously something you could just casually drop into conversation i've been Mm. into true crime since as long as I can remember, and that's... bringing up Fred and Rose West at a party, probably not. Yeah, like I, I've been interested in true crime for years and years. I, I like crime. I like mysteries. I like crime novels. I like uh, criminal minds and and all that sort of stuff. But I particularly enjoy reading about true crime. I'd like to stipulate this: not just the the murdery stuff. I also find like non-violent true crime fascinating and that's one of the important things to stipulate here is that true crime doesn't just mean murder i feel like i've listened to so many true crime podcasts and yeah every so often someone will be like but have you listened to this one though though and i'm like no and i have had to ration myself now for me the unsolved stuff is the hardest i can't deal with unsolved stuff i need a conclusion it's like the madeline mccann documentary that was on netflix have you watched it? I can't watch it. Well, like, I don't it's want to watch anything about Madeline it's, McCann. It's fascinating, but the hardest thing is, is that you know the end of the story. My dissertation was about um, crime and uh, crime and, and underhand uh, aspects of what is considered traditionally feminist and low key, uh, fem- female and low key and sweet literature. Um, and how, like, actually people were fucking shit up and doing gross things. And so I uh, I spoke a lot about... <sighs> I spoke a lot about older men sleeping with teenagers. Oh. And, like, historic... And the, the history of the age of consent and things like that. And famous cases from the 19th century that led me on to famous cases about serial killers and stuff. And people just kind of thought that was a little bit weird. But, um, but isn't everyone like kind of weirdly interested when you go into a graveyard and you read thing, and you not. read like you read their name and like sometimes there's a message and that's nice and then the dates and then you work out how old they were and you almost like imagine like who they were and why they died and are people not interested in that? Apparently not. Like I love graveyards. Yeah, me too. Maybe it's a love of history. I think it's I think it's definitely a combination. I think a love of history is probably where we get Sam into it. Um yeah, well I think when you look at the podcasts that are popular in particular, history podcasts are massive and I think historical crimes are a massive part of that. So I think there is a natural fascination with history because it's supposed to teach us about where we've been and what we've done and what we do going forward. Um but I don't, I don't get the graveyard thing just because you're like, well, it could, have been, it could have been anything. They could have like fallen under a horse. They could have. I Which know. I also love that story. So speaking as a not true crime person, yeah, 
have you noticed a difference between um, um the time period that I'm speaking about, sort of let's say mid aughts and now? I think yes. Um I think definitely, but I also think the ready availability I think there's been a, a kind of a progression because when you think of the T V shows I'm talking actual T V shows rather than something you see on Netflix because I think the streaming kind of easy accessibility of content in that way has mm. an impact on it as well because mm-hmm. you can binge it. Definitely. Yeah, um, and then that's what gives you the nightmares. Exactly. Yeah. And when you've got yeah, podcasts where you have an entire back catalogue to go through and all that kind of thing when you just discover one. Um but anyway, I think there's been a progression from the crime series that we would see in the nineties and the, the noughts, um, where shows like Prime Suspect, um, America's Most Wanted, Forensic Files, uh, Cold mm. Cold Blood, no, what was it? Um, cold Cases, Cold Case. What was the one with Trevor Eve? I think it's just recently that yes, I think there has been a shift towards the true crime aspect and the historical aspect rather than the fictional and. Like, look at fucking Midsummer Murders. Yeah. That was, but well, I loved like, bint, Midsummer Murders. But then I think it's a bit Murders. But I think that is, like you say, that is the difference between crime and true crime. Yes, and this is why And I the difference the between the, being interested. Switch. Yeah, being interested yes. in Agatha Christie. Hustle. Mm. Remember Hustle? How good yeah. is that? I loved Hustle. But it is, it's the difference yeah. between being interested in Agatha Christie and being interested in Lord Lucan and how he maybe killed his family and got eaten by a tiger. Yeah. Like, same time period. Yeah. And a massive influx of documentary, like, in general. Like, I spoke, I briefly mentioned BBC Three. Mm. BBC Three is fucking massive for documentary and so popular. Mm. Like, there's loads about LGBTQ, like, plus at documentaries uh, stuff to do with people with disabilities or a wheelchair user, or like whatever it might be, it's people in the minority waking the dead. That was it. Sorry, yeah. that's what I was trying to remember. But yeah, continue. Sorry. Okay, uh, like a massive rise of us kind of having windows into other people's lives. But I was reading a book the other day that said, "Oh, I hate Facebook because it's like." pictures of people doing really well and actually what I want to see is people not doing well because it makes me feel better about my life and as much as I don't want to think that way potentially there is something in that about the rise of documentary and true crime and stuff like that is actually my life is better than that interesting because I don't feel that way personally and I I think the the thing that we've kind of identified but we haven't said is like the interest has always been there. You and I have always been interested mm. in true crime. People who are interested in true crime now were interested in true crime 10 years ago. But the the media hasn't always been there. The, the, the documentaries and stuff, maybe on smaller scales, maybe historically talking about Jack the Ripper, but not at the level and not with the same level of... Um, accessibility? Accessibility, yeah. Because I feel like 10 years ago, if you went into Kitchener Work and said oh my god, have you watched the latest Making a Murderer? People would be like, what What the hell are you talking about? Mm. Whereas now it's like, if you haven't watched it, like like oh. we have just demonstrated, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe you haven't watched it. I th- yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing that I'm finding really interesting because maybe it is life is shit and at least it's not that shit. Like... But it's also intrigued about how other people down what you just said. It's also intrigued about how like other minds work. Yeah, but I yeah I I I just wonder what it is about modern time like current times that are tapping into making it acceptable to be into it. We were always into it, those of us who were, but now it's okay. I think it's also you could make a case for the fact that it's um a like a sub genre but like it it could be linked to reality tv because the reality tv thing is yes. based on the lives of people it, however scripted or not you know depends on the show depends on how yeah but it's a window it. into but it's their a window life. into people's lives it's a window into actually oh this is the real thing that people are going through and i'm seeing this in real time whereas true crime seems like an extreme version of that of like oh this actually happened and like I, I, I'm that is a the... fascinating theory and i am fully on board with it Yes, and I was thinking of um, anyone who's ever read Ben Elton's Dead Famous. Yes, which is a combination of the two things. Yeah, I used to love Ben Elton. 
But I think there's something definitely in this kind of like need to observe people from afar mm. and well, be. It's the freak show. Yeah, it is. We like we, completely. We, we, we appropriate the freak show depending on what we're living through at the, t- at the time. And I suppose in a modern world where we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there is always a window into every single person's life. Yeah. And if we can see someone's life that is so far removed from our own, then yeah. that's really mm. interesting. Yeah. But there's an element of if you're if everything is quite hard reading stories about real life situations where things are bad and either people have come back for it from it or something good has happened from it or someone got caught like literally mm. someone got caught and i used to say this about watching criminal minds over watching ghost stories so my sister loves um horror films she i loves, love horror films she loves ghost so stories much. and i will watch horror films with her because i love her but i don't like watching supernatural horror films because they're my fave I like the idea, like, I'm fascinated by hauntings and everything, but it freaks me out because I don't know how to win that. There's no rules about how to win that. No, but that's what I love. Who are you going to (laughs) call? Who am I going to call? That's the question. No, buddy. (laughs) No, but that's what I love. Like, it's so crazy. Like, it's... But for me... I have always found that I am. I like watch. People would say, "How can you watch Criminal Minds just before going to bed? How does that relax you?" And I say, "Because they win at the end. They get caught, and I can see that they get caught, and I can see why they get caught." But that is, yeah, that is part of it. Which is funny because I also listen to Unsolved Mystery podcasts, including The Trail Went Cold, which is great, and also the idea, you know, justice being served and everything like that. But then. I do. You do come up against these unsolved or unjust question mark staircase question mark um, things where you're like, but what if? And those are the ones that I'm more interested that they're so popular because they don't do that. They don't lessen that anxiety. They don't solve that need for us to be like everything is shit, but at least this got solved. But then. Maybe it's kind of like how Agatha Christian shit was really popular in war period because people had something that they could solve. Yeah. Like Sherlock Holmes. People had something that they could solve even if it was ambiguous or whatever. They were like, well, there's a mystery here and I can solve it. I can't solve the war, but I can at least, maybe I can get to the bottom of who, of whether this guy pushed his wife down the staircase. What's... Kind of micro acts of safety. Yeah, yes, and and what really yeah, phrase. and what and what's interesting, Kim, is you spoke about like being a woman and going, okay, maybe I can protect myself from this instance happening to me. And yes, a lot of true crime uh, happens to women, and in rare instances, is a woman inflicting that mm. uh, awful thing, be it murder, be it harm in some some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something to explore there mm-hmm. in terms of why women find it maybe quite fascinating talking about true crime when they maybe feel quite vulnerable to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can talk about it after the break. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I was going to say. I think, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about women perpetrating these crimes and women identifying with victims and historical aspects of crimes after the break. But we're going to take a brief pause because this is some heavy topics. And we are back from our break. Uh, We are still drinking the same wine that we were drinking at the start of the episode. So that is the 19 Crimes Cabernet Sauvignon for me and Kim, and the most wanted Albarino for Alex. How are we finding it? First of all, may I commend you on your um, pronunciation? What, Albarino? Yeah. That's because I think of Jose Mourinho. Wow. (laughs) Albarino. Alex, how are you finding your wine? Um, I am finding most wanted very delicious. Wow, look at your eyes. I mean, I the fact that I've been left alone to have one bottle by myself and already had two drinks before I came to record. You can also share the wine. No. <laughs> I am very much enjoying this wine, Kim. I have drinking... <laughs> I 
have consumed over half a bottle. And it is delightful. Did you have any dinner? <laughs> no. <laughs> I had a banana. <laughs> I had a banana. And I I have already drunk stuff before I came. So. Stuff. Could be wine, could be bleach. We, <laughs> we just don't know at this stage. Does anyone want <laughs> any? <laughs> Not right now, thanks. But maybe just... Maybe Slow surely. Um, okay. We're still working on the 19 crimes cabinet Sophie of 2017. I'm sorry, I was trying to be really professional. We're still working on the 19 crimes cabinet Sauvignon. Um, Kim is a bit broken because Alex can't talk, which has then broken Kim. So I'm going to lead and say this is a very, very enjoyable red. I would have it again. It is um, spicy and rich. And I did, it, I did like it 10 years ago. So I kind of feel like it pairs really well. Spicy, the... rich, liked it 10 years ago. Johnny Depp. Talking to you. <laughs> oh, I love Oh, there's so much cutting to do. We are going to talk about... Right, so before the break, we had touched on sort of women as perpetrators and women as victims. I want to talk a little bit about the role of women in crime in general. So I touched on it earlier that I personally believe that the rise of true crime popularity is really spearheaded by women and um a lot of that is down to my favorite murder and i'm biased because i'm a fan of my favorite murder and i listen to it and like, i'm a murderino and Murderino. and they <laughs> they talk about you know a lot about their fan base and how they are there are a lot of fierce young women and they also a lot of their phrases and catchphrases and messages are directed to their female fans tended towards women because women are so often the victims of the stories that they're talking about and so when when they say things like fuck politeness or you're in a cult call your dad or um stay out of the forest a lot of what they're saying is to women to not victim blame it's not your fault if you have done these things and something's happened but we have all been taught ways to try and make ourselves a little bit safer because unfortunately while it should not be on the victim um and and men and people should just be taught not you know people just should not murder and not attack people and not every other word that i'm not going to say because it's hurtful to say it unfortunately we don't live in that world where people don't do that so we do try to protect ourselves in the same way that you lock your fucking doors at night or you know we we try and walk home in well-lit areas or some of us know the keys in your hands trick we i wish that we didn't have to they wish that we didn't have to but we do because women generally are more likely to be victims and this is particularly true of women of colour or um, women of uh, lesser financial means, um, people in, in sex work, so on and so forth. Can I interject something just at this point? Which yes, is, I, don't, I don't think we should be using the word victim because I don't like it. I okay. think we should be using the word target. That's a good point. That I think some people don't appreciate and I would say... Yes, women are more often the target of a crime than, or certain crimes than men. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. I'm not going to go back and say everything that I just said. That's absolutely fine. But. We'll leave this in here. And we'll leave this conversation in here. I, that's, that's exactly the kind of conversation that I appreciate having. Because it's the same kind of conversations that I think Georgia and Karen are having on My Favourite Murder, which is that we learn to talk about things in a way that is respectful and you can't you don't always know and with each changing day there's a new way that's something that i personally have never considered and i appreciate that you have what, what, highlighted that. what about the wording of victim um is less um i this isn't my opinion just what what in terms of the wording of that is less um judgmental i suppose than like i I think the what i have heard and what i have read around the word victim is that it can remove um it kind of is a label that stays with you and you will forever be a victim 
um, you will it, it removes some of your power it removes some of your ability to recover as a word mm-hmm. um, when people use it about you and, and things that may have uh, events that may have occurred the word targets does not put the onus on you you, it puts it on the perpetrator of the crime i can definitely see that um because in a lot of the podcasts that i listen to especially case file um if 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 the person on whom the crime was perpetrated is still alive they are referred to as survivors yes also a very yes Um, yeah i think that word is really good but yeah if they are um if they have been killed then they are referred to unfortunately as victims but i actually do really appreciate the word target and i think that's a really good distinction i find that's my um supposition for the reason that supposition is that the word yes it is a word is that the right word uh that's what your conclusion yes yes so that's my supposition for why i think that particularly it seems to me that women are drivers of true crime and are so often fascinated in it i've spoken to a lot of men who are are, and are not interested in true crime but i have spoken to more women interested in true crime and i have more of a community of women interested in true crime than i do of men um and while i have a slightly sort of 60 40 i think position on friendships with men and women women being 60 percent I I think the percent and this is pure anecdata like I think the percentage of women that I know and listen to and hear about and read about that are interested in true crime versus the percentage of men is is disproportionate skewed towards women more women in my experience are um and I'm not alone in this supposition I've seen it reported several times um I in fact I know someone who uh i am i am work associates and friends with maddox of uh crime and dime who which is a podcast that um unfortunately only has three episodes but so far so far but three very popular episodes that were featured on itunes like ones to watch cool. and everything and she she and i have talked about this and about how we both know women who like we both know more women that are interested in true crime and crime itself um and she she does the podcast with her husband but she sort of says in the podcast that he's one of the few people that she knows who are male that she talks about this with and she and i have spent countless conversations around the office water cooler talking about true crime so and one day we would like to have her on the podcast Anywho, so yeah, so the role of women. So I've talked about women as targets a bit there. Women generally are targets, is the point. And women as champions for the current trend of true crime. But Sam, this is one of the few instances where you have uh, your interest in reading something or your experience in reading something plays in, is that women as perpetrators of true crime. So you have lent me a book... Yes. about uh, women as perpetrators or uh, players in a true crime story and I suggested to you to read a book that I then didn't read because I'm a horrible person and this will feed into a later discussion but which is called Lady Killers by Tori Telfer and so I want to talk about women perpetrators of crime because as I read I think I think it was Sarah Pascoe that quoted it that it's like it's something like 90% or 80% of people who commit violent crimes are men and this is interesting considering what we talked about last week which was the witch episode where mm-hmm. most people accused of being witches and committing crimes that way are women mm-hmm. but there are significant people in history who we identify as women who committed crimes some of whom are mentioned in the lady killers book sam you may have experience some like have read about some of them yes so i'd like you to start that conversation and we yep. will go on with that if that's okay with you yeah that's fine so i started reading the, the lady killers book which um i can't remember the name of the author Tori Telfer. yes I, that one um i can see it on the shelf ahead of me um on this <laughs> bookshelf over there and interestingly it is a book that we have spoken quite a lot in this podcast about books being wrapped in pink to make them more accessible and it is a book about female serial killers with a pink dust jacket not pink dust pink spine sorry <laughs> so 
that's no, weird. Not to out you as colourblind, but it's it's a reddish pink, and I would have argued red. Fine. Okay. Well, to my cunty colourblind eyes, it's pink. It definitely is subjective. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, but however, this book is a study of various female serial killers throughout history. It's kind of it's a very well written book. It's dryly humorous. Um, and I read the intro and was like, I'm, I, I'm going to really enjoy this. And then I started reading about the case studies and went, actually, I don't enjoy this. Not because of the way it's written, but just because I can't deal with this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first three I read about uh, were Countess Bathory. Um, um, dare I say it, love her. There was a woman, oh, I'm going to be absolutely shite with names now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a woman in America in the uh, 40s, 50s, who was known as the Giggling Grandma, um, who was this... Elizabeth something sweet I think it was like Bessie or like she had a nickname didn't she yeah Um, who was a seemingly sweet woman who married and poisoned four husbands um, out of five yeah as well as potentially numerous other people um, including her own mother Mm -hmm. and then there was another woman whose name I believe was Mary something who was another uh, she was Irish she moved to America when she was very young and was in institutions, was an arsonist. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, so there's, there's, those are the first three I read, and that was the point at which I stopped reading the book. Mm-hmm. But it is a very good book. And the point it makes is, which I think it does really well, is when we talk about women who harm, mm-hmm. like violent crimes uh, particularly, mm-hmm. is we have to talk about them in a set set in a set way or a set number of ways in order to make it um accessible or not accessible in order to make it palatable Mm -hmm. so either they are deranged psychotic undergoing some sort of mental episode or just just plain mad let's put it that way that's the only way this could happen because women are supposed to be nurturers women are supposed to give life they're not supposed Mm -hmm. to take life away so the idea that someone a woman can be a killer is completely the worst thing a woman can be in against nature Mm. um it's also either related to sex they Mm -hmm. sexualize a lot of these killers like oh she was so pretty for a murderer and all this kind of thing Mm. like that that feeds into it It has to be some kind of either some underlying sexual desire or some disorder around that or it has to be born out of a reaction Mm -hmm. um so a crime of passion or um, self-defence or, or some systematic systematic abuse systematic abuse it has to have <clears throat> a, a reason yes then you look at someone like Ted Bundy who was articulate well-educated um, your American psycho killer mm-hmm. um, and in which case it becomes a lot harder to understand that person and it becomes much more nuanced and people don't just write him off one way or the other but with women they have to fall into a certain trope. And I think that's what that book did really well. And I think that's something that you see time and time again with female crime, female mm. violent crime, is... Oh, what's that film, Monster, Charlie's Gone? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's such an interesting story. Lorena Bobbitt as well. Like yeah. All those kind of, yeah. Um, women must have a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men... Don't have to have a reason. just men. They can just be... Violent or violent, and also I think it's interesting because um the the targets in the cases are different, so um or at least are portrayed to be different. Yeah. So the targets of the crimes committed by women are either men of power that have perpetrated some crime on them, or perceived crime on them. Yeah. Or they are. Other women who are younger, more beautiful. In the case of Countess Bathory. Yes. Or they are children, as in like uh, um, mother-child crimes. Yeah. Um, whereas crimes perpetrated by men can be anyone without reason. If men serial killer men, there's no, there's no further... Uh, examination of that fact whereas if a woman we at least don't obsess about it in the same way I yes think that's... yeah i think that's the right mm. way to put it because i think it, if if a man is is killing multiple men there may be some 
uh, speculation about homosexuality, which again is a demonization. Which it's is about sexuality as well, which is why women. Are yeah, but it's not constantly always. like told like that's why they are committing mm-hmm. these crimes. Whereas, if a woman, if a woman were to, uh, I mean, I think a really good example of this is looking at um, Fred and Rosemary West. Unfortunately, because couple killings are so interesting, but also because the psychology behind it is different. Although there's all sorts of questions, but the way that they are treated for for committing crimes against the same group of people is one person is they committed crimes mm. because women were leading them on or they put themselves in vulnerable positions and the other is jealousy yeah like it's it's mm, yeah. the it's the gendering language around that the psychology and stuff we're not going to pretend that we're experts we're not even going to delve into it i really don't want to talk about the grisly details of it and i don't think that we need to because this is not the premise of our podcast but um, we're assuming that if you are listening to this podcast and have got this far, you probably have some passing understanding of it. If you don't and you are interested, by all means, look. But, you know, trigger warnings apply. Um, but the, the, it's the gendered language that I'm interested in. The women in these instances are more likely to be vilified, frankly. Although, again, I think now we look back on those cases and we have more of a um or at least in certain communities have more of a um measured and reasonable response to both parties both parties committed crimes therefore both parties are abhorrent but at the time and i'm talking specifically about media sensation the women who committed these crimes are more are are treated more salaciously and more viciously in the media than their male counterparts who committed similar or the same crimes like Myra Hindley is a prime example of this um Fred and Rosemary West is another prime example but if you look at like you say you mentioned three uh criminals in this instance or perceived in the case of Elizabeth Bathory which you know that's my own little soapbox um the new soap she's blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they want you to think. It goes all the way to the top. Uh, says Georgia. Only if you don't take the plug out. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Um, That's why you're a comedian. Um, but yeah, it's the idea that if a woman kills 14 young women, she's a demon countess who bathes in their blood. If a young man fil- kills 14 young women, he's Maybe kind of sexy. We should do a documentary about him. <laughs> no, I don't agree with that. I th- th- that's that not my the, opinion. The, the, that's the perception. The media treatment of it. Okay, fine. But it is a definite thing. Like that, there is a definite disparity between the way that we treat male and female perpetrators of crimes. Mm. I think this leads us to like Alex. You mentioned earlier, Sam. You've identified it touched upon it but mm-hmm. i'm cavalier about these sort of things the uh, with myself specifically um the mental health aspect of being interested in true crime what i struggle with is i find the psychological side of violent crime particularly quite troubling um and i think this is probably not to put it down on the podcast but I think part of the fascination with true crime is that it is oftentimes enjoyed by people who, by and large, in their life, feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who has not felt safe my entire life, so I don't enjoy the feeling of being made to feel like I'm not, which is mm-hmm. why I don't like true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I don't particularly like delving into the psychology side, although I find psychology very interesting in, very, in various aspects in this particular aspect I do not Mm. Um, and I think it's very very easy to point to uh, a mental balance disorder um, episode even if you like as being someone's impetus for any crime violent or not particularly violent though and I think it it does a very good job of demonising struggles with mental health absolutely Um, and it's awful so I think it's it's very easy to 
to take the insanity route, both from a... Insanity is not the PC term, but I'm using it in the way that we discuss mm. crime here. Um, I think it's easy to take it for from a defence point of view. If you mm. can go, oh, my client was crazy. You know, it's it's a route that I think many people explore when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, I also think that just because someone has exhibited certain symptoms of a certain mental illness doesn't mean people with that mental illness are going to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's... Although psychology can help with understanding these things, I also think it becomes a crutch when trying to find, as you said at the beginning, Kim, a satisfactory mm. conclusion to a story or to a, an individual's behaviour. Mm. And I don't. I don't like it. I agree. End of, end of, end of monologue. I think that's a fair point. Um, what you were speaking about made me, remind me of the very important thing that I think is repeated a lot on a lot of the uh, podcasts that I listen to, which is that the stereotype, the stigma, the belief is that violent crimes are committed by, the majority of violent crimes are committed by people with mental health issues. The actual fact is that the majority of violent crimes are committed against people with mental health issues. Yeah. They are much more likely to be a, a, yeah, a target of violent crime than a perpetrator. And with that in mind, I'd just like to there's a website called timetochange.org.uk which is um, ending mental health discrimination. There's some brief facts here. I'm just going to quickly read them out because I, I think that in all of this discussion, if this is one thing we can do as education, and it will only take two seconds, which is the facts. The majority of violent crimes and homicides are committed by people who do not have mental health issue, health problems. People with mental health problems are more dangerous to themselves than they are to others. Um, 90% of people who die through suicide in the UK are experiencing mental distress. In 2009, the total population in England and Wales was just over 43 million. It is estimated that about one in six of the adult population will have a significant mental health problem at any one time. Um, the 50 to 70 cases of homicide a year involving people known to have a mental health problem at the time of murder. Clearly, the statistics data do not support the sensationalised media coverage about the danger that people with mental health problems present to the community. Um... Almost half the victims of violent crimes believe that their offender were under the influence of alcohol but about, and about 70% believed that the offender was under the influence of drugs. Another survey suggested that about 30% of victims believe that the offender attacked them because they were under the influence of drugs or alcohol. In contrast, only 1% of victims believe that the violent incident happened because the offender had a mental illness. Contrary to belief, the incidence of homicide committed by people diagnosed with mental health problems has stayed at a fairly constant level since the 1990s and substance abuse appears to play a role. However, the prevalence of violence is higher among people who have symptoms of substance abuse, including discharged psychiatric patients and non-patients. So I just think that that was, I know that that was a lot of very serious heavy shit and difficult words for people to hear, but it's important, given what you were saying, yep. because we talk about our own mental health and we will continue to talk about that, but that's yes i just think that it's so easy to be like well they're crazy or insanity plea or um the word psycho is obviously used quite a lot and um when i recently went on a training course with that in mind that was one of the first words that people used as a slur triggering word etc and it's i think one of the most damaging um in my opinion so i wanted to get that out there now we can continue to talk about it. Alex, how about your opinion about the effect that true crime has on your mental health? Um, I mean, the fact that I said at the beginning, um, I need to take a break. Um, I am very, very stable when it comes to mental health and um, me as a person and everything and. I, I feel really reassured in that kind of knowledge. Um, I have had to take a break because I am concerned about like um what like watching and listening and doing all these things 
Um, and I'm concerned about human nature, definitely. And it makes me really sad and it makes me like worry. Um, I think it's just crazy. I think it's crazy that humans can inflict pain on other people. But also, like I said, I'm so interested in documentaries and human nature. I'm not. I'm not a zoologist. I'm not um, a biologist. But you, uh, to anthropologist? my mind, anthropologist. Anthropologist. No, I did mean zoologist because yeah. um, I don't know everything about every species of animal in the world. But much as we are one of the few animals that have sex for pleasure, we are also one of the few animals who take pleasure in inflicting pain. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we. Us and dolphins. Us and rapist dolphins, yes. There is a lot to learn from our species that we can't learn from other species because it's just not there. And also, Mm. particularly when it comes to the concept, we're talking about crime. We've spoken a lot about violent crime, but crime covers a huge range. And laws, you know, otters don't have laws. Ducks don't have laws. We we have... (laughs) Otters don't have laws. Hot take. Otters don't have laws is the title of this episode. (laughs) But the point is, we are the only animal we can learn from on this. So it's mm. it's natural to be fascinated by it, I think. But we also need to be careful. And that's yes. yeah. what I would say. Yeah, Alex, I think you make a, you both have made really good points about mental health. Mine are basically the same. I love true crime and I listen to true crime. And actually, I listen to true crime podcasts and stuff. When I'm going to sleep, I put them on sleep timer. You are insane. Because I'm insane. But watch your going to sleep. Word. You listen yes. to that. And um what you don't know, listeners, I mean, but I what love these that two well, do still... what these two do is that I suffer from very severe nightmares. Um but yes. the thing is that as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my fears and my nightmares and my uncontrollable anxiety is things that I cannot control that do not have a solution and I listen to things where they do have a solution and they do have a solving because it makes me feel safe however even I in my weird backwards like association with true crime we all need to take a step back and I do too and and it's very very difficult I mentioned earlier I haven't finished watching certain true crime shows because I don't like watching actual depictions of crime scenes i like reading about things somehow my imagination is not as bad as the actual thing which i think is contrary to some people which is also interesting because you prefer erotica to pornography i know it is strange isn't it i am i don't know i guess because in my imagination i can i can make it better somehow make it how you want it to be yeah um but yes i think the the association around mental health and true crime and this is one of the things that is talked about in a lot of the podcasts that i listen to my favorite murder the trail with cold case file they all come with these warnings they all come with these caveats and and my favorite murder do talk about this a lot is that for them it helps their anxiety and i i identify with that that listening to true crime podcasts helps with my anxiety but at the same time sometimes i'm listening to true crime podcasts and my boyfriend lets himself into my flat and I scream and he's like, you need to stop listening to true crime podcasts. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And it's about balance. For me personally, it's about balance. And I think one of the important things is you can have an interest in something, but it can also be difficult for you at certain times. It's about recognising in yourself, as I think a lot of people who are in tune with their own mental health do, when you need a bit of a break. However, you don't always want to give up the things that that you're interested in so with that in mind i have some um non-violent true crime recommendations for you all go for it which is seriously if the fuck you haven't read if you haven't read the feather thief yet read the fucking feather thief so it's called the feather thief not the fucking feather thief (laughs) that's a different book yes um so non-violent true crime is true crime that does not involve Alex's hiccups or murder or um, sexual assault. The Feather Thief is one of the books that in my mind has been in this rise of of true crime in the last couple of years. 
I read it this year, it came out last year. It is about a heist. Essentially, it is about theft. It is about a very weird, specific, slightly obsessive theft of thousands of rare bird skins from an offshoot of the Natural History Museum in the UK, perpetrated by a like concert, vi- concert violinist to facilitate Victorian fly fishing, but in the modern day. It's fucking weird. If any of that was like, ooh, read it. It's really, really, really well written. If you want that same feeling that you get from reading about or listening to true crime that involves serial killers and murder, where it's like, there's a weird obsession, there's some weird details, there's like a lot of of a lot of planning and there's weird profit and there's investigation and there's like a dogged investigator who's done with this shit the feather thief cool also i haven't read it yet but i've heard a lot of people talk about it which is um bad blood which is about the uh woman it's about a recent company where they basically conned investors into investing in their company about um being able to blood tests from a tiny prick of blood to aid things like diabetes mm-hmm. research and stuff like that and how it was basically all a big fucking con um there's a couple of others which i will drop in the show notes because i don't feel like i'm articulating this as well as they deserve and also i will link to um sam who will link to the show notes a couple of lists about these kind of non-violent crimes because there is definite rise in them so basically this is the PSA that non-violent crime exists, but also everyone should read The Feather Thief. Alex has hiccups. Sam and I are still drinking. Well, How are. does everyone find the wine? So let's talk, while Alex gets her hiccups under control, let's talk about the 19 Crimes Cabernet Sauvignon, um, which was, it was very nice. It was one of the best wines we've had on the podcast for a while, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... Can confirm. Yes. Blackberry was the main thing I got. It reminded me of a crumble. I'd have it on a... I definitely thought crumble earlier. Crumble. Mm, crumble wine. Let's make Wait. an alcoholic crumble with this wine. Or have crumble plus this wine. All right. And Sold. a roast. Boom. Sounds like a good um, Yes. So I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a fitting match brand-wise to what we were talking about. Um, maybe not topic-wise because I liked it and <laughs> it was palatable. Whereas true crime for me is not. But I am going to give it a 3.5. Nice. Um... I also loved it, so I still have some left out of choice, not out of not liking it, as is normally the case, in that I've been making it last because I've been really looking forward to it. Um, I think it's a good match, obviously, because of the label, and I also I chose it. Um, I also think it's a great match for me, contrary to Sam, because um, I basically want to dive into it, which is also how I feel about true crime. And yet you know you should ration yourself just like true crime. Just like true crime. Oh, so many layers. Um, Yeah, it was good. I also just... So many points for the aesthetic of the label. I'm going to give it a solid four. Solid four. Yeah. Alex, Um, your Albarino. Well, I obviously... This is the most wanted Albarino. Yeah. I didn't drink your wine. Um, It was... It was lovely. It's gone. It's gone. I have drunk it. I have hiccups. You have drunk it. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed it, so I'm going to give it uh, four. Ooh, it's been a good week for wine, my friend. Yeah. Would you guys like to know how much each bottle costs, respectively? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Okay, I'm guess. Little... Give me okay. a guess. I love a guess. Price is right. I'm going to guess mine as well. Okay, okay. so I'm going to guess the uh, £10 for the um, 19 crimes. Okay. I'm I'm gonna guess twelve pound fifty. Well, you are both wrong. Okay, and you have both overshot. <laughs> so the nineteen crimes is nine pounds to nine pounds fifty. Ooh. The most wanted Albarino was, I believe, eight pounds to eight pounds fifty. Basically, the 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 total was seventeen pounds fifty for the two. Right, so I was fifty p off. I know, but Why I didn't. Want... <laughs> I'm being a dick, all right? Yeah. You pedantic bellend. Yeah. But so, like, yeah, does that change your opinion? Um, no. Alex, you are famously not willing to spend more than £10 on a bottle I of wine. I know, but, like, actually, I enjoy that wine. I enjoyed that. 
I enjoyed that wine and I'm happy to spend that money. Wow. It does change mine. I'm going to put it up to a four. Nice. 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 That's good. So fours across the board, the two wines that we had this evening. I'd like to say if somehow you haven't listened to My Frugal Meadow and you've got through this entire episode and enjoyed it and are interested, you're as much as I want to plug us, you're at the wrong podcast. If you found us and not My Favourite Murder, you've gone wrong. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the show this week. Uh, but don't forget to come back in two weeks' time and we'll have a brand new episode. If you are listening on an Apple device, please give us a rating and maybe leave us a review because we love to know what you think. Um, or you can get in touch with us by emailing greatculturepodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. And our handles are at Grape Culture Pod if you're on Twitter, at Grape Culture Podcast if you're on Instagram. And also, if you want to check out the links to any of the things we've discussed in today's show, you can head over to our website, which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. So thank you for listening, and we will see you in two weeks' time with a brand new show. Bye! Bye! Bye.